What's up, and welcome to another exciting edition of Bearded B-Roll. I'm Kyle. And I'm Mike, just two bearded dudes here to chat about all the movies you love, hate, don't mind, or simply never heard of. All right, so welcome back to our first episode of Weekend Roundup with Bearded B-Roll. Today we're going to be talking about The Loved Ones from 2009. 2009. So this was a movie that I actually watched a long time ago, and I guess it was a while because I remembered it being British, but it's actually Australian. Yeah. Racist. I was reading some of the trivia for this one, and apparently the guy who played the daddy role was not the first choice. The first choice for playing daddy, because I don't think he really has a name aside from that, was actually John Jarrett, who I was talking about recently with the movie Boar. Um, but he was also the guy who played the psycho killer in Wolf Creek 1 and 2 and maybe the TV show. But apparently he turned down this role because he was afraid of being typecast as the villain, which I think the damage has already been done. But, you know, good on him. I, so, I recognize the dad in this from stuff, but I don't know what. Everybody in this movie looked sort of familiar to me, but I couldn't place anybody. Yeah, and well, when you know, and I first looked at like the cover art, I thought it was Aubrey Plaza that was like the main woman character. No, but I could see where you might make that mistake. Similar facial structure, similar expression, at least in the in the cover photo. Yeah. As far as just like preamble kind of stuff, I was reading more trivia for this, and apparently the uh, girl who played Lola Stone got ready for the character by a studying about Jeffrey Dahmer and b oh called <laughs> that. I was like, she's Jeffrey Dahmer. And B, watching villainous females in Quentin Tarantino movies to get her like anger faces down. She's 100% Jeffrey Dahmer. Their whole methodology is Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's undeniable. Oh, and another fun fact is apparently at a discussion panel, the director was asked by a fan, hey, did you know that Lola Stone is an anagram for lost and alone? And the director was like, uh... I did not know that, but it's actually really cool. Thanks for thanks for figuring that out. Like that person just like put efforts into figuring out something that wasn't even there. Apparently, finding hidden meaning that didn't exist. Well, I mean, that's what intentional fallacy is, right? When you're writing, when you're studying a work of literature or something, you don't want to necessarily be thinking about what the writer's intentions were. You just try to figure out what you're you can take from it on your own. So that's an entirely different type of reading. So, I mean, I guess it's meant to be interpreted. Yeah, but not, 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 not anagrams. Those are supposed to be hidden secrets that are purposefully there. You can't just, nobody just accidentally adds anagrams. There's no extra letters. It like actually anagrams to Lost and Alone, which is a good description of the character, at least at the end. <laughs> so uh, you should probably do like some kind of trigger warning at the beginning of this one. There's a lot of self-harm involved in this one. Oh yeah, this movie is rife with self-harm and just a lot of disturbing things in general. Because this movie does a weird blend of like torture porn, but at the same time, it's just it's it's nastier than that. Because like at least in torture porn movies, the people die right afterwards. This one, I actually kept for some reason I kept getting like shades of Planet of the Apes like the entire time I was watching this movie. That's weird. Yeah, I don't understand that for you. Well, no, I'll explain one that's going to indicate it for you right away. The Bright Eyes character. They call her Bright Eyes. Bright Eyes was the doctor's nickname for Charlton Heston's character in the original Planet of the Apes. She called him Bright Eyes. When she's trying to put a chicken wing in the guy's mouth, or I guess it was a drumstick, she's making like ooh, ooh, ooh noises, even though it's supposed to be an airplane. 
the whole concept of lobotomizing people, people were lobotomized in Planet of the Apes when he sees his one friend from the plane crash or from the, the aircraft crash, that guy was lobotomized. So there were, there were influences throughout it of Planet of the Apes. That was the weirdest thing about it because it had nothing to do with the plot or like anything else. It's nothing to do with literally anything in this movie. I know. There's, that's why I have no idea that you were able to like call that because I never would have because I'd have been like, there's no references to Planet of the Apes. All right, let's get into the plot. All right, what is the plot of this movie? The plot of this movie is about a boy who accidentally murders his dad. He doesn't murder him. He's driving in a car with his dad at the beginning of the movie. They swerve to avoid a naked, bloody person in the road. The car crashes into a tree. The father is dead. The son is then racked with guilt over having been the cause of his father's death and has resorted to self-harm. And he has a very, very broken relationship with his mother now. He's afraid to drive a car. She's afraid to have him in a car. And he has a dog and a girlfriend named Haley or Holly. I want to say it's Holly. So the movie shows his character. He's, he harms himself. He is kind of suicidal, just depressed and very pale looking. He looks because we see him in the beginning when he's happy with his father, and he, he has a very different demeanor than how we see him for the rest of the film. Is he suicidal, or is he just like going through that that phase of like no concern with his own safety? Because you're talking about like the scene on the cliff. I think that's the main question of the movie. He thinks he's suicidal, but when push comes to shove, he wants to live. Even in the beginning, when he's climbing up that rock wall and he slips, he claws to that wall. He wants to live. And then later, throughout the course of his trials and tribulations with Lola Stone, he proves time and time again that he has a very, very strong desire to be alive. So that's the basic plot. This kid dealing with the aftermath of having accidentally killed his father and sort of the just like guilt spiral that he has been stuck in since that day. The only thing that seems to make him- that the mom definitely puts on him by suggesting that his ability to be in a car is unsafe. So the only thing that seems to actually like bring him joy really is his girlfriend. Like he's happy around her. He smiles around her. It's very different from how he behaves when he's home with his mother. So basically when the movie opens, we see this car accident and then it flash forwards to his sort of, uh, well, actually first we see him at school. It flash forwards to him being at school. His hair's a little bit longer and he's talking to his friend. I can't remember the friend's name who wanted to ask a goth girl out to the dance. Oh, and was his name Kyle? <laughs> was it? I don't remember, but I feel like it was something like that. So he's talking to his friend at the locker. Uh, the friend decides to go after the goth girl, ask her out to the dance. Surprise, she says yes. Meanwhile, the main character, whose name is Brent, is at his locker, and he is approached by a girl. And she says, hey, Brent, do you want to take me to the dance? And he's like, oh, I can't. I'm going with Holly. Which is weird, because like, it seems like established that Holly is his girlfriend. Yeah, man, some girls shoot their shot, man. The way he declines her, though, he's actually super chill about it. Like, he doesn't laugh at her. He doesn't try to embarrass her. He just says, like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm already going with somebody else. Like, it was very, it was handled in a gentlemanly fashion, which makes it even more fucked up that she targets him later. I think the name of the friend's, the friend's name is Jamie. See, it's hard to tell right now, because this movie's old, so everybody looks old in their IMD pictures. No, you're right. It is Jamie. So then he, Brent finds out that his girlfriend, Holly, has just gotten her license. They go to the car and they have sex. And this part, 
shows a couple things. Um, she's trying to get him to say the name of whoever asked him to the dance. And he's like, I'll never tell, just playing around. And she lifts his shirt off and we see that his entire like right flank is covered by all these scratches and scarring from where he cuts himself, presumably with the razor blade that's on his necklace. Yeah. And they're engaged in some type of copulation, at which point the camera switches sides and we see that Lola is just like staring like a total fucking creeper through the, through the car window watching them. Some type of copulation? Well, there were blowjobs and also just straight sex involved. I don't remember what phase of it they were at when Lola was watching. <laughs> all of it. It was at all of it. So then Brent goes home. We get to see his damaged home life. We're like the mother in him. It's just so awkward. She blames him. He blames himself. He feels like he failed her. He feels like he failed the father. The mother doesn't do anything seemingly to like alleviate that guilt at all. Everything at the home is very like, dark and like sort of monotone and gray and he goes out with his dog to well he's walking down the street listening to heavy metal music which is sort of like his anthem throughout the film and he's squeezing Whoa. his <laughs> he's squeezing his razor blade in his hand and blood's just gushing down his wrist and then That's he gets to this nice. rock wall yeah no it, i mean it was yeah it was hard and the blood immediate infection the blood was a good color though yeah it was coming out like a good, had a good stream. Like it wasn't an unrealistic amount. It wasn't like just drenched in blood from doing it. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of the violence in this movie was depicted in a fairly realistic fashion, which is actually what made it like disturbing to watch. You okay, Dahmer? <laughs> but <laughs> maybe it's just me, but like my immediate thought when he started doing the rock climbing part was like, his hand's going to get infected. Yeah, I kind of ignored that, but yeah, he, he he was not in good shape to climb the wall, but the dog was the smart one. The dog walked around the wall and went up the hill. It was like, I'll wait for you at the top. <laughs> so and this guy starts climbing up this rock wall and he gets, I don't know, maybe like two thirds of the way up and he sort of just lets go with one hand and leans back. And I guess he's feeling the sunlight on his face and thinking about how easy it would be to let go. But then he slips. At which point he like scrambles, grabs onto the wall and pulls himself to the top. Like he didn't want to actually fall. When he gets to the top, he's sort of exhausted, lays there for a little bit, smokes a bowl, I guess, and then continues to listen to heavy metal music, which is when everything just essentially goes to shit. Just so everybody knows, Mike has no idea what kind of... I'm assuming it was some type of... It was oregano, right? Crack. Crack cocaine. It was definitely not crack cocaine. All right, I watched The Wire. I know what it looks like when people smoke crack. <laughs> have you ever seen The Nine Jet? Have you watched that yet? I told you to watch it. Was that the thing with Ryan Reynolds? Yeah. Is this no. crack? Do you know how to do it? Best part of that movie. Did you see uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where they decide to go... Did they have the same line? Do they have a line where they go, is this crack? Do you know how to do it? Dennis and Dee decide that they need to get addicted to crack so that they can get more welfare or something. I don't remember the exact logic, but they like go to a bad neighborhood in Philadelphia and they see a guy who they assume is a drug dealer and they roll down their window like a half an inch. And he's like, can I help you? And they're like, we would like one crack, please. Just. <laughs> and. He's like, you want one what? They're like, we would like one crack. Is $200 enough? And he's like, yeah, yeah, $200 is fine. It's way more than enough for one crack. 
So then they drove down a little bit farther down the way to get one crack from the crack guy. <laughs> the plan wasn't actually to get addicted, but then they got addicted. Anywho, this is the point where Daddy comes out, which Daddy. we find out later is uh, Lola Stone's father. This is the, the girl who asked him to go to the dance with her. Puts some type of like chloroform rag around him and stabs the dog and then throws him in the backseat, or I guess the trunk of his car. And takes so what was really confusing for me was he stabs the dog, but then later he's like, this is what I killed your dog. He stabbed it with it was a hammer. A, it was a hammer. Yeah, like, I don't think that, I mean, maybe he hit the dog with a hammer, but I got the impression that the dog had been stabbed. Well, even like later when, like, I feel like they just couldn't keep what they set up there together. And they had two separate plots because the mom and the, the girlfriend are like, he stabbed the dog. But then later he's like. This is what I did it with. <laughs> like, okay. I think maybe that was just him trying to fuck with the kid, like his way of saying, I killed your dog. You know? You just say it was like, what are the knives that you stuck in his feet? <laughs> anyway, so, he's so he gets taken. Abducted by daddy. While the mother's calling him, actually, I think he was starting to answer the phone. I think he did answer the phone because she seems pretty concerned about what she's hearing on the other line. And then this whole, the whole ordeal with Brent is sort of juxtaposed with uh, Jamie and goth girls night out on the town, which doesn't really make sense until almost the end. Yeah, there's like a lot of setup, like everybody's like intermingled in this, but like it leaves it for a long time, mm -hmm. probably too long for me, where it loses its effect at the end. I don't know. The whole time I'm like watching this girl, like, why is she so fucked up? Her parents seem pretty nice. And then they, you know, reveal that. And it's like, ah, that makes sense now. You don't have to be fucked up to be a goth kid. It's messed up that they implied that. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jamie goes to pick the goth girl up. Her dog runs out and just buries its face in his balls. Hell yeah. Because of the marijuana. I thought the dog was just being super friendly at first. But yeah, it was because of the marijuana. So, and I'm sorry, everything I asked you to watch this week has like incest in it, but that's just the way it happened. Nope, nope. At this point, Dick's falling off and incest is just your bread and butter. So at this point, uh, we go back to Brent and the dad, who, by the way, when the dad was on his drive back to their, I guess, trailer, I'm not really sure what the house was because we didn't get a good establishing shot of it. He picks up like a bloated dead possum, like roadkill style. And I think throws it in the trunk with Brent, which makes no sense until like almost the end of the movie. A lot of things don't make any sense in this movie until the very end of this movie. So he gets back to the house. Lola comes out and she's like, oh, did you get it, daddy? Did you get it? And he opens the trunk and she's like, what does she say? He looks dead. You've ruined it. And then I also think what was also confusing was it seemed like there's more than one person in the front seat of that car while he was driving, like when he went to pick up the chicken or whatever. I swear there's two people in the car. I didn't notice. Maybe he took bright eyes out. That seems unsafe. Look at my uh, self-lobotomized wife, people. Ignore the dot on her head. <laughs> it's not a bullet wound, which I thought she got shot in the face. I don't know why. Could have given her a headband or something. Australia doesn't have guns, so I was like, that seems weird. That lady has a bullet wound in her forehead. So then we get, we get to Lola's inner sanctum where we get to see her weird, pink, glittery, bubblegum pop, stuffed animal, flying unicorns, fuzzy slippers, 
It doesn't seem that weird for like a teen girl. I don't know what you're going weird for. Because one, she's like presumably a senior in high school and she's got her room decorated like she's a nine-year-old girl. And two, that dress could not have been any pinker. But she's got this song playing and I forgot that this song was in this movie because they start playing the song and I'm like, wow, this song sounds really familiar. What do I know this from? And I remembered it's because they played it like nine times in this movie. That was why. The whole Am I Not Pretty Enough song that just goes on forever. Never ends. And then that's when we get the first inclination of like incest because the father gives her a dress and then she changes into it right in front of him. And the camera acts as his eyes like slowly trailing up her leg, checking out her granny panties, moving up her side a little bit. And he's like trying to look away. Like, I know this is wrong. I should look away. Like, that's the worst thing he's done in his life. She's like, look at me, daddy. Yeah. (laughs) Look at it. So then we go out and we see uh, Brent in his suit that he was, I guess, placed in because he wasn't climbing that mountain in a suit. So they dressed him up at some point. No, he definitely, he was James Bond in that shit, man. What are you talking (laughs) about? Well, presumably he had a suit because he planned on going to the dance, but this was not that suit. Then there's the whole weird chicken and milk scene. Oh, where like they're shoving chicken into the... Okay. Yeah, I didn't... It was... The milk thing that threw me off because the girl had like a milk mustache the whole time. I don't know if you noticed that. Well, not the whole time, but for like a while. No, at one point she looks at Brent and she goes, what are you looking at? And I was just like, your milk mustache is all I can see right now. So like... The mom, stepmom, whatever she is, the original, the dad's victim, that was throwing me off because I had no idea what she was. But she's like catatonic from clearly whatever they had drilled into her forehead, hint at the future. Yeah, right. (laughs) And so she's just sitting there and the dad and the daughter having their own creepy little, I don't know, life. And, uh... The daughter gets mad because the mom's not eating, mm-hmm. and so she decides she's going to like shove a chicken drumstick into the mom's mouth with a milk mustache. And she starts pouring milk in the mother's mouth, too. Yeah. That's a really gross combo. And the chicken, how was the chicken cooked? Because at first I was like, oh, it's fried chicken, but then it looked just burnt. I think it was just kind of like off-brand fried chicken. Because she's saying the whole, like, you know, is it finger looking good thing, which is basically like a KFC slogan. Yeah. But was it before or after the chicken milk scene that the guy got, I guess, what was a shot of Drano to his fucking neck? Dude, yeah. What was that? Because, like, it, I, I assumed that, but it was like, it was, there was no label and it was just a blue and orange bottle. Like, if it was really Drano, that would have just killed him. Yeah, I mean, it looked like they were kind of implying that she injected it like into his vocal cords or something. Because I don't know if you noticed, but he doesn't actually say a single word. Well, he can't. He makes like weird, horrifying noises for the rest of the movie. That's not even a half hour into the movie. So he like doesn't have any lines after like the 27 and a half minute mark. Yeah, that's why your character development theory is really weird to me. The character development theory I'm implying doesn't necessarily need words. So then Lola wants a picture. Maybe the dad wants a picture. No, Lola wants the picture. It's her. And the dad says, you know, like, say happy, which they have a whole argument about how to like phrase that. And then she wants someone with bright eyes. She puts her hand on the back of bright eyes head, for lack of a better term. And when the father takes the picture, she yanks on bright eyes hair so that she screams at the flash. 
So she wanted to hurt her, but she didn't want the father to know she hurt her. Because the father's like, oh, it's just a flash, nothing to get upset about. And it was just very weird. It's almost like... Weird, because the fact that the dad clearly doesn't give a shit about this woman either. But I feel like Lola's jealous of the woman for having been the father's wife. So mad you're my mom. Basically, I yeah. should have fucked my dad to make me. It's like grandfather paradox. That's like you wouldn't have existed. Then there was the whole wishbone thing. Do you remember this? Yeah. I wished for... I literally just watched it, so you don't have to ask me if I remember this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it doesn't matter. My wish was for you anyway. Mine was for you too, daddy. I think the wish was, I wish your pee-pee was in my mouth. And he was like, I wish my pee-pee was in your... It was just a gift for everybody. It was always you, daddy. <laughs> yeah, right? That's when the daughter freaks out and she's like, who's prettier, daddy? Who's prettier? Daddy. Mommy, daddy. And he was yeah. like, well, you're both pretty. Then there's the toilet scene. When he may or may not have been telling Porky Pies, which I love some of the expressions in this fucking movie. Porky Pies. Has someone been telling Porky Pies? Basically, the guy gets like <laughs> this terrifying challenge where he has 10 seconds to pee in a cup or he's going to get his dick nailed to a chair. I don't know about you, but I'd have a hard time peeing then too. I feel like my immediate reaction to even hearing the first part of that threat would be to pee all over the place. Start peeing on- I. <laughs> 100% thought she was going to get her face peed on. I don't know. This movie's already fucked up. I was like, you know what? I could see this happening. Moving on. Oh, he finally pees in the cup, and she looks at it. Do you remember what she says? No. She looks at his dick while it's peeing, and she goes, It's crying. Should I kiss it and make it feel better? Or bite it off? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But then she makes a reference, too, to his girlfriend. She's like, should I bite it off so she can never whatever the fuck she does to it? Kiss it again. It's the same thing. Okay. She okay. referred to it as kissing. You know. As one would. Would refer to kissing peeing penises. Um, I mean, isn't that how you refer to them? When referring to crying penises? Sure. <laughs> But then a couple seconds after this, I guess, is when he like kicks Lola in the chest super hard and she throws, she falls back on the table and then the father wait, lets Wait, out. wait, wait, wait. Can we pause two seconds there? One, the look on the dad's face of how jealous he was that she was about to suck this dude's dick. Two, the fact that she was referencing the fact that she was considering sucking this dude's dick in front of her dad. I mean, Did the that fact not that- not throw you through any loops at all? <laughs> I was already weirded out by the fact that like the dad seemed fine with her taking the dick out and putting it in the milk cup in the first place. So it was already like all bets are off. <laughs> Is it ones or twos? Yeah. If he was actually scared and he was like, nah, I definitely, I definitely need a shite right now. She like put the cup in his butthole. I don't think she would put the cup in his butthole. So then Kicks the fuck out of her. Okay, yeah, he does do that first. He does that. He escapes soon. And then he hops out the door and hides up a tree. And they basically treat it like he's a cat that's stuck in a tree and they're kids. They start throwing rocks at it to see if they can get him to come down. 
What are they chanting at him while they're doing it? Because they just start like yelling some something. It wasn't the we can't hear you chant, was it? No, not yet. I don't think so. That happens a few times. I don't but remember the like, chanting. They were like mocking him while he was in the chair and the tree. And then she starts like laughing maniacally and then finally like bangs him out of it with a rock. And he fucking fell out of that tree and onto that car. Me that you- <laughs> he hit that car hard. Then, did you notice that, like, at certain parts of this movie, they just randomly play metal music? But I think it's more like, I said this earlier, I think it's more like an anthem to the character. It's when the character's showing, like, strength and resolve, they play metal music. Probably. That makes sense. That's his theme song. Her her theme song is the one about being lonely. Mm -hmm. No, no, it's the MI. Well, I guess that is what it's about. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's not what it's If I was prettier, I wouldn't be alone. Yeah, no, you're right. But <laughs> this is when he has no shoes on and it's like, oh, weird. I guess they're going to cut his toes off. But then it gets like even weirder and he starts hammering steak knives into the guy's feet, which I don't know if that would necessarily work because no. those were not those were not good steak knives. They, those were the kind where the blade, it's not like a full tang blade, you know, and it was like the plastic handled steak knives. They would have just he was going to want to do that. He would have wanted to use like a rubber mallet because that metal mallet's definitely going to break the plastic. Or used a better knife. Yeah, or just use nails because they had nails. He he was holding nails earlier, and they seemed like long nails. Because he was going to nail his dick to the chair, so I don't know why they went full he just knife. Nailed his feet to the chairs, or the floor. I don't know. Yeah, the knife thing was weird. I don't know. Like I thought maybe he was just going to like I don't know sever his tendons or do something. And they start nailing him in, and I'm like, that's not. It's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and then it went on for a really long time. I'm like, dude, those nails, those nails, those knives would be like, like handled deep in his foot by the point where he's still banging on it. And they're still showing like three inches <laughs> left of the knife. And it's like, I know he was hitting so hard. How and like, was he tapping this? There was no progression to it. <laughs> it was like Hulk smashing the knives and it was just like, ding, boop. Glad I was the only one that noticed how weirdly long, like that was taking, like these four inch knives are going in his foot like they're 12 inches long it was actually a pretty short movie i mean it only had a runtime of an hour and 24 minutes so i guess we saw the unrated version because the rated version is one minute shorter i don't know what that one minute probably some of the knife in the foot shit probably yeah extra knife in the foot took a little bit longer it was actually a whole minute shorter Maybe there was like a shorter version where it made more sense the way he was hammering the knives in and we we wouldn't be having this conversation (laughs) Then we get to go to like story time land with Lola's psycho photo album. Yeah. I don't know what the point of that was. Like, here are all my ex-boyfriends. I'm putting that in air quotes. Or is it like, here's what you have to expect in the brief future that is the rest of your life? Um, I wouldn't say that the rest of his life is going to be brief. <laughs> well, I mean, from her, from her point of view. From his current point of view, I'm talking about like, you know, he gets to enjoy being a zombie soon. Oh, yeah. He doesn't know about that yet. Not yet. But then he notices one of the faces in the book and realizes it's the guy from the very beginning of the movie that he swerved around in the car with his father and caused the accident. So it's her fault his dad's dead. And, you know, this was the part that really got me thinking about the title of the movie. Because this movie actually doesn't... One of the things I think this movie did right is it actually focuses on 
the effects of Lola and her father's actions. Like we get to see how people are affected by what they do. So when you consider the loved ones, I think the movie's actually about everybody other than Lola and her father. You know, it's about the people missing the people they care about and trying to figure out what happened to them or make them right or or make it right or something. Like it's it's not about them. So I think the loved ones could on the one hand refer to all the people she claims to love or be infatuated with, but I think the other interpretation would be about the people affected by the crimes. I think I think that makes more sense than her weird stalker psychoness. Because she doesn't really ever seem to love any of them because she directly references that she's never found her prince yet. It's always been you, Daddy. It's always been you. Daddy. <laughs> Bite it off. So then she says, I'm ready to draw on him now. And what she actually means is, I'm ready to carve my initials into his chest like he's a tree trunk. Using a fork. And the weirdest thing is she put her initials on his chest. She didn't write like B and L. She didn't put like Brent and Lola. She put like L and S for Lola Stone. Huh. She was, which I actually just realized right now. She was well, marking she's branding him. branding him. Yeah. She's like, this does belong to me. Well, because like typically if you see initials carved into a tree, it's like two people's initials or more if they're polygamous, I guess. But this one. <laughs> Can't leave the polygamous down for this. <laughs> yeah, I want to be don't, inclusive. Don't discriminate. <laughs> but this one, it was just about her sort of marking her territory, which makes you wonder if the reason she went after other people is because she saw them happy in a relationship with someone else. Because we know for a fact she saw Brent happy with Holly and went after him anyway. So it must it, it makes you wonder if it's one of those, if I can't be happy, nobody can kind of things. Like she's directly targeting him for that? Probably. Yeah, yeah. Because the initial thing just, I realize right now, but that strikes me as really strange. Because if she was like, trying to fantasize about this whole like life with him where they're happy, wouldn't she have put his initial and her initial? At, at no point do they really make it like she actually likes him, like a reference to that. No, they really don't. The only time that ever comes up is when she asks him if he wants to go to the dance with her. And then after that, it's just punishment. Like she's never, it mm. doesn't seem like she has any real interest in him. Because even the one yeah. time there's like a sexual reference to it, it's it's immediately just, well, maybe I'll just bite it off so that your girlfriend can't touch it. And again, the way he rejected her was handled very maturely. Like he did not give her a reason to be angry or upset. Like he just said like, It was no, actually just matter of fact. He, he was nice about it, but it was like, you know that I have a girl. Yeah, like he shouldn't and have had to I'm explain that to her. With. Yeah. Then they, throw, then they throw a whole bunch of salt at his wounds. They're just completely sadistic people. There's no like logic to it. There's no, there's nothing to get out of this other than them torturing someone until they turn him into a zombie. And what is the thing with her? Because at one point she's like, her dad's doing it. He's like tossing it real, like not a lot at a time. And she's like, oh, don't do too much. And then she just immediately takes the cap off and like. Yeah, she was like, I, I read somewhere that it could really hurt them or something. And yeah, then she like throws the whole thing of salt at him. I don't know what that meant. You can tell she's the bad guy, like she's in control, and the dad's just like, I really want to fuck my kids, so I'll do whatever it takes. Oh, it's like the epitome of like parent catering to the needs of a spoiled child, but in like a really weird, perverse way. Yeah. The next part was the one you wanted to talk about. Um, when we were talking about specifically how the girlfriend seems to be like the one shining light in his life. 
that sort of brings him happiness and makes him forget about the pain of his father. Because even if he loves his mother, every time he looks at her, he sees his guilt. He sees what he did, even if it was an accident. Yeah, because there's a note that I guess, because he, when she tells him that she loves him, he doesn't say anything in response. So later she's like going through his stuff while like he's missing and she finds like a card that's like Humpty Dumpty. It was next to some flowers. So I think he was going to give it to her at the dance. Yeah, but it's, it's a card with Humpty Dumpty on the cover and it says something like you did what all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't do. Exactly. You complete me. Yeah, but it was less cheesy than that. But it was also because no one said it. We just got to read it. And people write corny shit in cards, but I don't know. It did convey that well. Because we really don't get a whole lot of like aside with their actual relationship. We just know that. No, you don't know anything about him because, you know, he's been mute for 90% of the movie. You know, because they injected Drano into his vocal cords and somehow... That needle was also weird looking. Did you see like the shape of the vial on it? No. Was it like super thick or something? No, it was like not a circle. It wasn't a cylinder. Like it had like an off shape. I feel like I have seen some that are like elliptical before. Really? Like in movies and stuff, not like when I'm getting blood drawn. Like it's like really, I don't know. It was a bizarre looking needle. I don't know why I, I, I looked at that so much, but. Then we get to the more fantasy aspect of it where the father announces the queen of the dance the queen of the dance is and they do like a fake drum roll and i was gonna shit myself if he didn't say her name that would have been fucking great you know who we're missing out on this the whole time we're missing out on jamie's story which i guess has nothing to do really with anything and it's just there it really doesn't it just it's there to like explain how the girl was upset pretty much this is around the same time though where him and that girl get kicked out of the dance she tries to give him a hand job on the dance floor. We that don't know important. what's her cycle. Did the girl's brother, presumably it was like her older brother, did he get kidnapped at last year's dance? Was this like the anniversary of when he went missing? And that's why she was so hmm. fucked up. But I feel like this is like a reference to like prom or something because they call it the end of school dance. So I'm that's just a, graduating. That's just a national like difference. They they don't call it prom in Australia. No, no, no. But I mean, I'm assuming they're seniors and graduating. So if they like, how would she? Ha- well, maybe she kidnapped a senior when she was a junior. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what her cycle is because apparently it's a lot because there's like four or five people in that book, and I think one of them is like when she's twelve. Well, that actually ties in then. So if she's been doing one, because there were three zombies in the basement, one got out, that's four, she's five. If she's 18 now, and they started doing this when she was like 13, that would presumably have been one every year until right now. So that actually makes sense. So if it was the anniversary of Jamie's date's brother's disappearance, then that would also explain why she was so upset. Yeah. But there's no reference to that at all. No, a lot of this movie like leaves you to figure it out on your own. <sighs> but Jamie's whole like weird night out, there's like the scene where they're getting high outside of the chicken place, I guess, which may or may not have been the same chicken place the father bought the chicken, now that I'm thinking about it. There's the scene where they're dancing in, I'm just saying dancing, but they're basically holding each other in the gym and she's- He's kind of holding her up. That's mostly what that is, because she's real fucked up. She was holding his crotch and like, 
kind of trying to masturbate him through his pants, I guess. No, 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 no. Like they make, there's like a zipper sound. Like she goes into his pants. She's definitely like jerking him off. Cause then she starts yelling at people and the principal's like, you can't do that here. If you want to do that, go somewhere else. Which in my mind <laughs> is not a realistic thing that a teacher would say. Their parents would be called. They'd be getting picked up. Man, it's the end of the year. He probably just didn't want to deal with any bullshit. It's like, you're drunk, you're on drugs, giving people hand jobs in the middle of the dance floor, calling your mom, and your dad's a cop, so. But then they go outside, and she wants to have sex in the car, so they start having sex, and then the principal, like, knocks on the window again, and he's like, when I said go elsewhere, I meant off school property. Did he, like, follow them out there just to fucking say that, because he knew that's what they were going to do? It took him a minute to get out there, so I think he maybe just noticed. But, it, is there, like, a weird scene where, like, the dad goes outside... And then this scene happens because I thought that they had gone and they were parked on like that property for some reason. No, they were still in the school parking lot. I know, but I, I don't know if like there was something happening on the other end where the dad in the movie went outside to his car. I don't know. I just whatever reason I stitched those two parts together and I before the principal like knocked and I realized what it was. I was under the impression that like what's her face's dad was coming outside and he was about to murder these two kids for banging on his property like they went and they were like oh yeah we found like this like abandoned lot because i mean pretty much their property was pretty wide and it was big enough that people well i guess they muted everybody so the screaming didn't matter but then back at uh psycho farm we've got the dance happening right we've just announced that lola stone is the queen of the dance and he's the king brent and she forces him to blow his little party whistle or with at the threat of like you know some type of pain inflicted by hammer um, and then she makes him dance and he can't dance because his feet are like knifed to the ground. So it's yeah, more it like him, him standing up and like swaying back and forth until it's daddy's turn to dance. And this is where some of your wait, favorite wait, lines wait, are. There's a lot of things that also, again, that I was like, oh man, infections. Because the dad's just sprinkling like the glitter. But then they definitely like zoom in on his bloodied feet in the pool of blood underneath them now covered in confetti and i'm like oh it's gotta that's his feet are gonna have to come off between his hand from earlier his neck from now and literally his entire torso and like his whole body is like an open wound it's like yeah. all the infection like enter here and they're all pouring there's just shit and dirt getting into everything his hands are still dirty from when he was climbing the rock dude. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's daddy's turn. It's daddy's turn. And that's when they're dancing to Am I Not Pretty Enough? Because that's the song that they played the entire time. Well, right before, well, like, that's what's funny. No, because I forgot real quick before we even, before we move on to daddy's turn, she's dancing with him and she looks at him and she goes, this is the song that's going to play at my wedding when I'm finally find my prince. Right. But you're not him. And you're like, oh, this dude's fucked. But then she goes to dance with her actual prince, and it's her father, and they're standing there under the disco ball in the middle of the room, listening to this song, and she says, it's always been you. And then they go in for a nice, slow kiss. You know they're not related, but watching it is still wrong. It's still wrong. Which is probably why they cut it before they actually touch lips, because uh, oh, Brent right. decides to fall down to pick up the razor blade he dropped. Mm -hmm. He like flops down into the chair. Yeah. Which if they've changed his clothes, did they not change his pants? 
Probably not, actually. I think he was already wearing dark pants, so they probably just put him in the, the shirt. Okay. That was the part I was like, hmm, weird. Also, that was his necklace. Why is it in his pocket? Well, I guess... Uh, he probably put it in his know. pocket when he climbed the, the mountain, so it didn't cut him while he was climbing. Yeah. That makes sense, actually. But then that's when the dad decides to go out to get second supper from his car for their pets. No, it's not second supper. It's time to feed the pets, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The zombies. And they, like, pull the rug back, open the trap door in the floor. So, what? <laughs> what? It's like this movie is like this serial killer, like, uh, procedural type thing where she's just Jeffrey Dahmer because, you know, we really haven't referenced how many references Jeffrey Dahmer there <laughs> have been. But she's Jeffrey Dahmer. Everything she's done is Jeffrey Dahmer. She's trying to make a love zombie. Mm-hmm. Just like the dad pulled off. They're successful Jeffrey Dahmers. Um, but then it turns into the descent. Because <laughs> these are the descent monsters. These are what those monsters are from that movie. No, I didn't realize that, but that you're right on point with that. Yeah. <laughs> Same noise and everything. But actually, you, you just made me realize something with that that validates my point more from before. When I was talking about her being like upset because he was already with somebody. Um, she's not trying to make a love zombie. She's trying to have her beautiful prince. The zombie is what happens when you don't pass the test, which also reinforces the whole if I can't have you, nobody can thing. She's not killing them. She's keeping them alive, but they're still like hers. She possesses them, which is, I guess, weirder. Mm. It's like she doesn't want them. She doesn't like them. She just keeps them down there knowing that she has control over them, which you know obviously does relate to, to Dahmer. And she's not technically a serial killer because she doesn't kill See, these Dahmer, people. Dahmer was only a serial killer because he wasn't able to do what she pulled off. When he poured Drano into people's brains, they died because that's what happens. But they don't pour in Drano in this movie. No, it's boiling hot water, which I feel like is worse. I f- feel like it wouldn't necessarily kill you, though. To be fair, if you lobotomize somebody, they'd be more like a... Like like the mom and less like the zombies in the basement so i don't know what the distinction is maybe they're just nuts because i mean they're locked down there in the dark naked i'm pretty sure well maybe i don't know because she does say that's her first drilling but i feel like that just means the dad did it for her because he seems like an expert at drilling into people the father the father's been definitely doing it this is his big chance because that's the part that happens next is when they put Brent in the chair and the father holds him back. And that's when she comes out with the drill. Like, this is my first drilling. And um, she fucks it up a little at first. But she effectively drills a hole in his skull after getting a little coaching from the father. And then the tea kettle goes off. They're trying to destroy his prefrontal cortex. But the problem there is that she tries to pour the, the hot, she tries to pour the hot water in and she misses. And she's like, Daddy, it's not big enough. Can you make the hole bigger, please? And he's like, okay, fine. Yeah, I can make the hole bigger, baby. I like the way they did this effect, because we don't directly see him drilling into the head. We see it from the back, but there's like a good amount of smoke coming up from the drill, like which would be... Well, they did when when she was doing it, too. There was some. But, um... So, (laughs) how how about, like, the weird moment where this is probably the only time he looks at her in a negative way is when she fucks up pouring the water, and it, like, burns him. He looks 
pissed. Unless she poured hot water on his arm, he was pissed. I know, but then he, like, <laughs> maintains that up to, like, when he starts drilling into the dude's head. She's like, can you make it better? And he's like, oh my god, you suck. Like, that's the face he has. <laughs> like, you can't do anything. <laughs> There's, like, well, a dad moment, not, like, a, I want to fuck my daughter moment. That Yeah, well, I mean, he is both, right? So... My, my original notes were like when they first got together, I was like, oh, dad and torture daughter, he definitely fuck in between kidnappings. And then I was like, never mind, they're about to fuck. Yeah, no, it's like the unspoken thing that they both want more than anything. That, like, I just think it's also funny that I wrote that. I called her torture daughter. <laughs> then he opens the hole up a little bit. And this is where the, like, the pulsing metal music comes back, because this is when he decides to actually fight back. And I, I thought the whole thing that he's being subjected to all this pain and torture in the first place was kind of interesting, considering how much they've established that he self-harms already. Yeah, well, like, what is she doing to him at the one point where she's torturing him, and she's telling him to cry, and he's just, like, staring at her? That was when, yeah, and they played metal during that, too, because that was, like, a revolt for him. That was when the father was nailing the knives into his foot. Oh, yeah. And he was looking at her like, I don't want to fucking cry. I do this shit to myself for fun. Like, nobody can hurt me more than I already hurt myself. And it's because of the guilt he carries around for his father. That, like, affects him more profoundly than any physical pain. That's yeah. why he self-harms, you know? And, like, they don't have any idea. Like, she does not know who he is. She doesn't understand a thing about him. He's just a boy that told her no. Basically, yeah. And, like, obviously she's the princess and she gets whatever she wants. But this is when he fights back. And he fucking takes his razor blade that he used to cut his uh rope binds around his wrist slashes the fuck out of the father's face like that was a good deep slash that went from like his the bridge of his nose to like i guess his ear across his face this is a real brave moment too because there was a drill in his forehead at the time yeah no i mean it wasn't well he i mean it was kind of like you know shit or get off the pot moment for him like he wasn't yeah. gonna get another opportunity to not get hot water poured in his head and then he takes one of the knives out of his foot and stabs the fuck out of the dad's neck with it, like repeatedly. It was <sighs> super badass and super satisfying. All while making weird fucking monster noises. You know, because he can't talk or scream. He just makes that weird, like. <laughs> <laughs> so the father, he throws the father in the pit. And then the feral things down there, they immediately start eating his face. But I mean, he's already pretty much dead at this point. And then the guy's watching, Brent's watching in horror as this is happening. And Lola comes up from behind him and pushes him in. And he tries to hang on, but she hits his hands with a hammer till he falls in. Actually, she doesn't hit him with the hammer. She goes to it. He's like, oh, fuck that. I'd rather fall in here. Because his hands aren't fucked up at any point outside of what he did to himself. And then he gets the door closed on him, and he's down there in the dark with the feral people. But then it cuts to- Where did he get a flashlight? Maybe it was down there already. Maybe. Maybe the father had one in his pocket. It was like a big one. It definitely would have been in his pocket. All right. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. It just threw me off because there's like he, he has to like hammer fight. Also, he gets the hammer somehow. He has to hammer fight the- uh... Well, didn't he hit the father with the hammer when he threw him in the hole? She had the hammer. Oh, she must have dropped it then. No, they actually they did they they showed her drop it. Okay. But the next shot is like Jamie walking his date home. She's like super fucked up by this point. I think he gets back and the parents are kind of looking disapprovingly. What's weird though is like the dad looks at the daughter like, "Oh, damn it. This happens all the time." But he doesn't actually give Jamie that bad of a look. No, he's not mad at like, the This must happen enough that she's like he's just like, "Yeah, she does this shit." Like, 
Yeah, I didn't get the impression that he was mad at Jamie. I think he was just more or less disappointed in the situation in general. Yeah. But that's when we see, I guess, because Brent has a flashlight, we see the bone pile down there, which is presumably human bones. They look pretty big. Yeah, that's what's confusing. Like, is it just how often does she do this? That's weird. Yeah, I don't Are know those like from the dad when the dad was trying to find his? Then Lola, being distraught at her father being dead, decides to go to Bright Eye's room and smother her to death because what's the point now? I can't have my daddy, neither can you. And we also see after Jamie's date goes into the house and gets in bed, we see the picture by her bedside, which is the picture of the brother who was missing, who was the guy they had to swerve around in the beginning of the movie. So that's mm-hmm. the point where we realize that all her suffering and all her like acting out is a response directly to that sadness. Because also, they presumably never found his body, right? Yeah, which is weird because, you know, the girl said that he got away. I figure he just died in the, the grass desert. out there. And that didn't seem like a place people typically got out of their car and walked. So bones are probably just laying in some underbrush that nobody ever noticed. I guess. But I mean, if a missing person's out there. People have a tendency to look a little bit more. Yeah. Australia's big, though, man. I guess. Also, so the dad, we already know that her dad's a cop, too. So, like, this troubled behavior, like, seems a little off, but, like, also not because it's a movie and they do that a lot. But um, he's already started looking for Brent out earlier in the movie. And... How does he just come to the conclusion that this is where he is? Holly, Brent's girlfriend, remembers that Lola asked him to the dance. Oh, okay. She calls Jamie's date's father, or maybe she calls Brent's mother. Either way, she calls somebody that gets the message across to them, and he goes, you know what? I'm going to check that place out. That's why the cop dad drives to that house. He knows where she lives. Okay, I must have missed that conversation because I was just off. I was like, he couldn't find him earlier, but now he just knows exactly where to go. But then he gets there, looks in the window, sees blood everywhere, probable cause, enters, sees Brent down there. Brent can't say anything to him, so he points, but it's too late. Lola meat cleavers the cop dad in the face. He falls down. Brent takes his gun, shoots a whole bunch of bullets at nothing. Basically, he blows up the disco ball, which was a small blessing, but didn't actually help too much. And then she says to him, I'm going to go kill your mom and I'm going to kill your girlfriend. And she, uh, I think she puts on his razor blade necklace, doesn't she? No, she says it way better than that. She's like, I'm going to go. Oh, what does she say about, I'm going to go stab your mom in the neck. Like you stabbed my dad. And I'm going to go stab your girlfriend in the heart. Like you stabbed mine. Cause I was like, that's great. (laughs) Unjust, but great. No, if she had been in the right, it would have been a great line. But the fact that she's like a psycho who like the entire thing was predicated on her psychotic behavior, it doesn't make it any less badass, but I can't relate to it. <laughs> but then it's like a couple things go on are juxtaposed during this this part. It's one, her walking down the street with her fucking photo album that she decided to bring with her for some reason, and a big ass knife singing, you guessed it, am I not pretty enough? Love that song. It's one of my favorites now. <laughs> and then he's down there uh, playing Jenga with bodies, basically, trying to pile them on top of each other because he's murdered all the feral people. Plus, he has an extra one now from the dead cop, and he has just enough body pileage to make it all the way to the top and climb out. Completely unrealistic. 
either way, it was still a great moment. Pretty enough. So then we get the awkward scene where uh, Holly has driven out to go find Brent, and she encounters Lola on the road, who chucks her photo album at the car, and then assaults Holly inside the car. Holly's uh, trying to get away from uh, Lola, who's currently chasing her with a knife, and they run smack dab into Brent, who has stolen the police car and is driving that. Um, He swerves out of the way to miss Holly, and then when he's looking back at her, he's looking back at her, he accidentally crashes into Lola. Not that, like, seeing her would have made a difference. And then Holly gets in the car and looks at him like, oh my fucking god, because he looks horrifying at this moment. He just screams at first. Yeah, I mean, he looks like a zombie, basically. Like, he is just covered in blood and grime and dirt, and and he can't even say anything to reassure her because he can't speak. Then, you know, you're all hoping for it. You're just watching, like, throw the car in reverse. Please, for the love of God, throw the car in reverse. And then he throws the car in reverse, and we get to see her head looking at the car. She's also doing this great thing where she's crawling forward on her forearms, and like stabbing the chef's knife into the pavement, like that's actually. Did you see why? Because at first I was like, "Huh, that's weird." But her one hand, there's bones coming out of. Oh, is she missing a hand? No, no, no. Her hand is on. Um, the hand that's not holding the knife though is you can see like her wrist bones popping out of her wrist, like her hands just dangling there. I missed that. I'll have to go back and look for that. Yeah, because I was like, "Huh, why doesn't she just use her hands instead of her elbows?" And I was like. Because her head's fucked up. (laughs) And I love the way they they film this because he starts backing up toward her in slow motion, basically. But then like right at the end, it goes back to normal speed and we just see her head get knocked back. Then they travel all the way back to Brent's mother's house instead of going immediately to the hospital, which I thought was kind of strange. What are hospitals for? Like, go to the hospital. Don't you have free health care in Australia? I think so. The mother sees Brent when they get there. And she does not have Holly's same reaction. She doesn't react to the fact that he's all mutilated. She's just happy to see him. And she has not smiled at him at any other point during the entire movie. So it was almost like an absence makes the heart grow fonder type thing. Like she got rid of her blame for the father when she was worried about him. Like she kind of worked her way through that. And right now she's just happy to have him home. And I think she realizes maybe she's been neglecting him by blaming him and and losing out on that relationship. And he gives her a hug, and he just contentedly closes his eyes. And, like, that's the end of the movie. And then he dies. <laughs> no, he doesn't die. It's like a catharsis. Like, he's finally made peace with himself, with his actions, not blaming himself. And he seems to have a better relationship with his mother because all the bullshit got cut out of the way. And he's just happy to be alive. Oh, I thought the catharsis was the part where uh, he murdered that girl's face. That would have been pretty cathartic. No, the the funny thing about it is she is so unimportant to the plot. Like she's the 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 problems she creates for him are what allow him to work through his own issues. But she is just as inconsequential as she was in the beginning. I don't know. She's just kind of like not. She's presented as a main character, but she's also like had this whole movie just him doing this torture to himself. <laughs> yeah, but this made it more fun because there wouldn't have been any incest that way. One out of four beards. You're seriously only going to give it one out of four? I don't know. It took a while for me to get into it. Like the first part of it, I was like, I'm bored. I'm really bored. Then I was like, she's banging her dad and I'm kind of into this. And then 
then I was trying to find the stuff that you were like, look for these things while you watch it. And I was like, I do not see these things. And you're like, no, there's a lot of character development. And I'm like, I feel not the same way. Then I just think you missed it because it's all there. Maybe. Or maybe you're just pretentious. <laughs> you know, I'm like kind of torn on this one. I mean, honestly, I'm somewhere between two and a half and three because I think it just, it made me care about a character in a way that like, I, you know, when you watch the Saw movies, maybe in the first one, you can kind of relate to people, but like every Saw movie after that, it's just, it's like, who's getting sliced and diced next? Like, I don't give a fuck about these people. And this one, I actually cared about the kid and what happened to him. So, so altogether, I think I would probably give it two and a half, I guess. I can't quite give it three on a scale of like torture porn movies. It's definitely a three, but on a scale of like all movies in general, it'd be a two and a half. I could go with never watching this movie again. So follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bearded B-Roll and look for us anywhere you find podcasts. Check out our website, beardedbroll.com for info and links to merch and feel free to email us with ideas and suggestions at beardedbroll at gmail.com and check out our Discord. Discord. What did you say? What did you say? I said, what did you say? When? Like right now. I said when. What is wrong with you? What do you mean when I whispered? When you whispered. I whispered Discord. Oh. (laughs) It was really low.